Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everyone, and once again, welcome to our podcast. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters. All are available one through nine at Amazon in paperback and ebook, and for you audiophiles at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as well. So please do go out and purchase a few copies for yourself and as gifts. And now may I introduce you to my brother and co-host, KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I'm doing okay, Bill, although I'm fighting the back end of a cold. So uh, to our listeners, if I cough my way through this, please forgive me. It's been two weeks, so <laughs> I'm trying to get rid of this thing, but it's hanging on forever. <laughs> well, we really don't have any choice but to forgive you. It's either that or stop doing podcasts. Exactly. It's better than the alternative, people. <laughs> and by the way, folks, if you're new to the broadcast or you old timers, uh, occasionally due to time restraints, restraints, family illness, etc., etc., we miss one, and we missed one this past weekend. And for that, uh, we're sorry. It's not our first choice, but sometimes it's the only choice we have. Uh, but onward and upward we go. And Kev, you know. One of our listeners, you know how I love our audience. One of our listeners was commenting that he felt, and I agree with this 110%, he felt that the Bauman encounter in and of itself was proof that Bigfoot will defend its territory rigorously, even to the killing of a human being, which is what happened to Bauman's partner. Sure. Agree or disagree? I think so. Could be, sure. Yeah. I mean, again, we've said all along, you know, this thing exists. They definitely have different personalities. You know, you're going to have some that are territorial. Maybe it's protecting, you know, young uh, creatures. Who knows? But just like any other creature, you have some that are pretty darn passive, right? And you have some that are like killing machines. Um, I mean, this thing could be an apex predator of sorts. Yeah, depending which one you run into, right? Or what kind of mood they're in. Right, right. So, or, or how hungry they may be and getting a little ticked off about it, you know? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, for you guys that don't know, uh, uh, our one-time president, Theodore Roosevelt, wrote a book called The American Wilderness Hunter. 
That book was chock full of his exploits around the United States, details about places he hunted, animals taken, weapons used. It was like a field guide to what he was doing. And in that book was a story uh, that he penned, uh, no doubt given to him by a trapper named Bauman. These guys were trapping up in the Pacific Northwest and encountered a Bigfoot rather quickly where they went to. And uh, this thing made itself visible. They saw it. Bauman got a shot off at it from his uh, lean-to or the place he was sleeping in. And then uh, later on, as the story goes, the two got separated. One came back to the camp. And when Bauman made it back to the camp, there was his friend, dead. And uh, large footprints surrounding it. And Bauman did the right thing. Didn't bury him, didn't do anything. He got the heck out of there. (laughs) And that's how the story ended. Yeah, and that book, by the way, folks, is a book of nonfiction. You know, by uh, former president Teddy Roosevelt. Right. And I always stood my ground, Kev. Why would a guy like that, rough rider, president, pugilist, boxer, you know what I mean? Why, why would he suddenly flip in this whimsical tale, you know, fairy tale, if you will, right? Uh, in, in the midst of that life and in a book, uh, the caliber which he wrote? So it As I recall, it wasn't a fairy tale. It was a goblin tale. Isn't that what yes. he called it? Yeah, the goblin, goblin tale. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, you know. Cool hey, stuff. Hey, listen. Yeah, this stuff has been around a long time, folks. And uh, this creature is out there. Look, you know, I think I've said this before, but it's worth saying before we get into our cryptids in the news and other oddities segment. Absence of evidence is not the evidence of absence. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the absence of evidence is not the evidence of the absence of something. I myself have had numerous strange things happen to me. I have no evidence whatsoever other than my word. And believe me when I tell you, they happened and it's true, so help me God. Who am I to challenge other people that also have had encounters and say, this is what happened? Believe it or not, as Ripley used to say. So, you know, I stand my ground. Yeah, I make little judgment calls on things I hear and conversations I have. But uh, all in all, I believe I'm speaking to a lot of relatively honest people who are just uh, getting off their chest or sharing uh, strange things that have happened with them uh, in the woods and on the highways and byways uh, around the globe. So uh, that's that's it, Kev. I mean, I think this stuff is really going on. Uh, This creature is out there, and we continue to be mesmerized with accounts uh, from people... uh, around the globe, and in particularly North America. Yeah, pretty cool, Bill. I mean, folks, I'm 600 miles away from my brother, so I don't get to talk to any of these people. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> So I got that going for me. But I do have folks come up to my Bigfoot truck once in a while and tell me about what they saw. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting, you know, really interesting, Kev. Yeah, very cool, very cool. So what do we have in our cryptids in the news and other oddities segment today? All right, are you ready to get the creep on? Yeah, you know me, brother. What did we talk about the last time? The Stanley, right? And that yeah. reappearing maid? Yeah. yeah well, we're going to get a little freaky-deaky on this one, too. So, okay. We're going to Vermont. All and right. we're going to talk about the Vermont Pigman. The Pigman? That is correct. Pigman, <laughs> one word. <laughs> Proceeded with Vermont. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking Ben and Jerry's here. We're talking about the pig man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't wait for this one. So this legend <laughs> started back in 1971, where, uh-huh. uh, well, a couple of those sightings are in 1971. The legend may have started before that, as we'll get to. But in 1971, a farmer in a little tiny town called Northfield, Vermont, which is Pretty close, just east, but pretty close to like Burlington, Vermont on Lake Champlain. And if you recall, Bill, this summer when I was doing my old fashioned road trip, I rode right up there from Whitehall, New York, up into Burlington. And I was telling you on that few hours stretch in the early evening, uh, heading north towards Lake Champlain. Boy, that is some rural country up there. So... Not only uh, could the hairy man be walking around, this pig man could be walking around, too. Kev, didn't you say you actually legitimately felt a little creeped out in that area? Yeah, yeah. It was so desolate, and, like, we didn't even see other cars. And it was in the evening, uh, like, before sunset, when uh, they were having all those wildfires out west. So the sky in New England was a really funky color. You know, from uh-huh. the ash and that. So uh, yeah. it was just creepy cruising along, looking out into these forests and fields. No people around at all. So this little town yeah, is it, right up that way called Northfield. And it changes your perspective, does it not, on the availability of habitat? Oh, yeah. Uh, for damn near anything to be out there. Yeah, yeah. Like I had never been to Whitehall, New York until... That trip, and you remember the first thing I told you when I was talking on the phone, I was like, you know, I didn't think it was that rural up there, but it's definitely rural enough. Yeah. Very rural. Yep. So this, back in 1971, a farmer from this little town in Northfield, Vermont, he heard some noises out in the backyard in the evening, right? Not, Not atypical. Could be any one of us. And he turned on the light outside and was thinking... That maybe the raccoons were going through the trash. Maybe there was a small bear out there or something like that. Instead, he sees a man-sized figure um, lurking on the edge of the lit area of his yard. His body is covered in white hair, but his face and head had the features of a pig. Wow. Yeah. Boy, that would scare the bejeebus out of you. No doubt, no doubt. So, any, go ahead. No, I was just going to say any teeth. Didn't mention like any teeth, boar. didn't mention any red eyes, but, you know, picture somebody like six feet tall, standing up, naked, with white hair on their body, and a pig's head. Boy, oh boy. That's about as creepy as it gets, Bill. Might even yeah, probably, might even be, in a weird way, a little creepier than Dog Man. 
Yeah, I mean, that might even drop me at the door. You don't even know what's going to happen to you when you encounter something like that. That's the problem. No, no. You know, people <clears throat> say, oh, I do this and that. I wish a Bigfoot would run up to me. Yeah, sure. Yep. Uh, they may be scraping you up with a spatula after he runs up to you. Yep. So a couple of days later, this pig man was spotted again, this time by a whole bunch of students. So it was the night of a high school dance, and a bunch of the kids were outside in the field, outside of a high school dance, and they were drinking some beer uh, in what they called the sand pit behind the school. And something really weird came out of the woods, okay? So they're not rip-roaring drunk or anything. They're just drinking some beer before they go into the dance. And they see this tall, naked creature covered in white hair. Sounds familiar, right? Walking on two legs, and it had the head and face of a pig. Oh, boy. Scared the hell out of these kids, teenagers. Uh, so frightened that they even left their beer out there. And they went into the dance uh, to tell people what happened. Some of the braver students, not the ones that saw the pig man, but some of them inside went out to investigate what was going on. And they didn't see the creature, but they saw where the area where the kids had talked about seeing it. And all of the underbrush had been trampled and patted down like something had been there. Wow, any noises heard? Any squealing? No noises. Wow. No noises. And as someone else way, saw it, a, a, a nighttime uh, traveler is going down the road up there on uh, nobody else around, and they see a, a hairy white beast that narrowly missed the front front end of their vehicle, and it had the head of a pig. Wow. Well, they they say pigs are pretty intelligent, but apparently that pig wasn't. It was more like a deer head. <laughs> well, it didn't get hit Running. by the car. Yeah. The yeah, deer would have ran in into the car. The car <laughs> even if the car was yeah. stopped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and by the way, folks, if you don't drink beer, even a six-pack is not going to make you see a white-haired pig man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Correct. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had a good amount of beer in my life, and I've never seen a white-haired pig man. <laughs> even while drinking German beer? Correct. <laughs> Jawohl. Oh, it's a swine man. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So this is the pig man. Now, the pig man, the, the origin of pig man, now this isn't necessarily tied directly to it, but the legend is that the pig man started out as a sad story related to a boy that was 17 years old that went missing in uh, Northfield, Vermont, in 1951, so about 20 years earlier. So this right. 17-year-old, um, the night before Halloween, so it was October 30th, 1951, and his name was Sam Harris, he set out with some eggs in his hand for what he called picket night. So, you know, basically a night of mischief running around, Smashing pumpkins, throwing eggs at people and houses and stuff like that. And when his parents woke up the next morning, they found him missing. So they set out a huge search party with all the neighbors and townspeople. 
and they searched all over the place, and they never found any any uh, stitch of evidence related to Sam. So he was gone. Now, what's interesting, they say that Sam, he had this thing where he would like to go and slaughter pigs, eat their entrails, and hollow out the pig's head and wear it over his head while terrorizing local uh, townsfolks. Wait a second. Run that by me again? Yeah, yeah. I expected that. This, you have to hear this again. So this kid, yeah. Sam, what he did for, like, fun was he would kill pigs, eat their entrails, oh, and uh, carve out the inside of the head and wear it on his head and walk oh. around town at night. So, you know, this guy was a bit of uh, perhaps uh, conjuring up some bad things to happen. Don't you know it, brother. Yeah. So, wow. so some I mean, folks, this is just, you know, go ahead. This is obviously not right thinking. You know oh, what I mean? Definitely not right. I mean, Ugh. again, I've had a six pack or two and I never thought about killing a pig, eating its entrails and wearing a pig hat on my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Just saying. Oh, <laughs> oh. 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 boy. Some people, boy. Uh, go ahead, don't let me No, uh, no, no. So one of the theories is that he was doing these kind of animal sacrifices and uh, that he may have become possessed by the devil himself on that night and that it could be this Sam Harris conjured up creature that is actually the pig man that they're seeing uh, in Northfield, Vermont. Wow, and as the story goes, the kid, once he disappeared, was never found? Never found, as the story goes. And much of the sightings, including the ones I talked about, happened around an area called the Devil's Wash Bowl, uh, right there in Northfield, Vermont. I'm trying to figure out what the Devil's Wash Bowl actually is. Must be Mm -hmm. like a sand pit or something like that, because I can't find anything about it. Any of our Mm -hmm. listeners up there in Vermont that know about it, let us know. But uh, the Devil's Wash Bowl is right there outside of the Northfield Village Forest. And get this, Bill, you go across the slaughterhouse-covered bridge to get there. Woohoo! Oh, boy. You know, Kev, it's my opinion, I'm sure I've said this before, that any place that was given the name the Devil's Anything... (laughs) Uh, there's a reason behind it. And even if it wasn't a great reason, after that name has been assigned, it's kind of like, you know, if you allow it to stay, it will stay. Like some good people could come along and say, man, I don't want this place. Who named this the Devil's Wash Bowl? Let's change it and call it the Smith Cove. You know, but yeah, when you I mean, allow you see, that, you see some of those names like along the seaside, you know, where it's like treacherous current. You know, I know I was up in Maine, and I think this one area where the surf would come into like a an eroded hole in the sandstone was called like the Devil's Punch Bowl or something like that. You know, yeah. um, and with good reason, right? Some yeah. people had died there. No Absolutely, doubt. yeah. Wow. Boy, oh boy, man, the pig man. So I told you we what get a little you... freaky deaky. 
Yeah, what would you do if you encountered such a thing, you know, coming into your backyard, you know? I'd probably throw some lead at it. <laughs> yeah, if you had if you had it, right? <laughs> Unbelievable. And this kid uh gutting out pigs and eating their guts and shoving their head. I yeah, mean, walking that, around, that could... poking out its eyes, walking around with the pig's head skin over his head. Boy, oh boy, man. No thanks. Wow. By the way, you do stuff like that, you get whatever you get. You, whatever you got coming, you're going to get, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's invitation only, You ask man. for it, yeah. Wow. Holy smokes, Kip. So is that it on the pig, man? That's it on the pig, man. That's enough for one night of pig, man. Yeah, not that I need more. <laughs> not that I need more, you know. My brother wants has thirst for additional pig, man. <laughs> wow. Well... I got a great uh, encounter here, and uh, it was told to me by a guy named Doug Baldwin, a longtime resident, state of Florida. And uh, this is what Doug had to say. I guess I should begin by telling everybody that the state of Florida in the 40s and 50s was nothing like people know today. Back then, it was extremely rural, and I would have to say that the vast majority of the state was undeveloped, low-lying wilderness and swamp. When I was a young boy, my father and I would go in the backyard and shoot a twenty-two caliber rifle at cans and other targets, and nobody said a thing about it. In fact, most of the young boys that I schooled with and many of the girls were more proficient with shooting pistols, rifles, and shotguns than they were at riding a bicycle. And we never went about shooting people like the people of today think. We had a solid respect for firearms and the safe use of them, just like we had been taught. Touché. We lived at the time in north-central Florida, and my father was a tugboat captain who worked in and around the Gulf of Mexico. I remember as a youth that he'd be gone working for long periods of time, and when he came home, we spent quite a bit of time hunting and shooting. I think it was around 1953 or 54 when he told me we were going to a new place to hunt. I remember the place was south of Williston on the Ocala Highway, but the name slips me now. I only remember that it was some type of preserve that had been set up for hunting. At the time, we were living in the outskirts of Ocala, so this was very close to us. I remember going up to the counter with my dad and the man looking down at me with a big smile asking me how old I was, followed by asking me if I could shoot. I told him that I could shoot the top off a pup bottle at 50 feet. I remember him telling my dad that they would have to check the boy out on the trap range, which I was eager to do, and so we went. Everything here at this preserve was taken by shotgun. And at the trap range, we were shooting a Remington pump. 
I wasn't as good shooting the trap as I was with my rifle, but I had never done it before. I knew the man just wanted to see how I handled the gun and how safety-minded I was. He also took the time to go over some of the do's and don'ts about firearm safety. At any rate, we were actually going to stay at this place for the weekend, even though it was close to home. And they had a cool bunkhouse that would serve as our accommodations for the weekend. This is what they would call today a boy's weekend out. Over the weekend, we were trying a little bit of everything. They had fields for quail and acres of cornfield for pheasant habitat. They had a lake where you could hunt ducks, and there was a large swamp area where there were even wild turkey. As a young boy, being in this place was incredible, and I didn't want it to end. For most of the hunting, they would take us out in an old Willie's Jeep pickup truck. And for the field hunts, they had some really beautiful pointers and setters that would flush the birds from the fields. Now, in case you were wondering, I was 14 years old at the time, and my parents didn't have my brother and sister until I was 16 and turning 17, which made me the oldest bugger in a bunch. In fact, when some people see us together today, they think I'm my sister's father. But that's a story for another day. <coughs> anyway, I knew tomorrow was Sunday. And we always went to church on Sunday. So I asked my dad if we were going. It's funny how you remember certain things in life. Well, that night he told me that God would forgive us for missing just tomorrow, but that we should never make a habit of it, which is something I remember to this very day. In the morning, we got up early, and there was a cook in the bunkhouse that was unbelievable. I remember eating one of the best breakfasts of my life. I mean, being in this bunkhouse with my dad and some other men was really cool. We were heading over to the swamp area to hunt turkey. I remember I had a 20 gauge and my dad had a 12. We were sitting side by side in some cover, waiting for the turkey to hopefully come into the clearing. When suddenly and unexpectedly, what looked like a man in a fur suit, comes marching out of the bushes and starts walking across the field about 200 yards in front of us. One of the other men who was in charge stood up, telling everyone to stand down with their guns, and started shouting at this guy, saying, Hey, you there! What the hell do you think you're doing here? This is private property. Well, this man in the furry suit turned his head to look at us and just kept right on walking without so much as saying a word or even stopping. I could see that it really didn't look like a man, but it didn't quite register at the time. I remember it was walking kind of funny, and the arms were very long. I mean, it looked weird to me. And if it was a man... He appeared like there might be something wrong with him. 
First of all, who in their right mind would, wouldn't acknowledge a bunch of men standing in a field and yelling at you with rifles in their hands? And secondly, the way he kept walking without changing his speed, instead starting to run or something. It was then that the man who was in charge said, hey, you guys, wait here. I'm going after that guy and give him a piece of my mind. And he ran back and jumped in the Jeep, flying across the field after him. I can remember watching the man as he got near the wood line following the other guy who had already ducked into it. We saw him jump out of the Jeep and he actually fired several shots into the bushes. A few minutes he came a few minutes later he came driving back across the field and jumped out of the car saying to us that was no man it was a big gorilla. Well everyone was in an uproar about seeing a gorilla walking around in Florida as you would well imagine. It became the talk of the whole area for months and days following the sighting. Now, this man at the preserve was a professional in any man's book, and he wouldn't have thrown a rock if he thought it was a man, let alone fire three rounds. It wasn't until many years later, after having read a magazine about the Bigfoot, that I realized what we had seen that day. I believe that this is what they are calling the swamp ape in Florida today, which is nothing more than a Bigfoot creature. I could tell you this much so many years later. I can recall vividly sitting in that field and how big this thing looked even at a distance. I remember watching the man go across the field in the Jeep and the grass coming up to the truck's bed. This thing was standing way further out of the grass than that truck. And I also distinctly remember its arms being very long and its walk looking very odd, even from a distance. What do you think of that, Kev? Skunk ape? Sounds like a skunk ape. They didn't mention the smell, though, right? Well, they're 200 yards away. Oh, okay. Well, you know, some of these yeah, are pretty stinky, Bill. Yeah. Maybe yeah, the wind was, blowing, sa- wind was blowing the other way, apparently. Yeah, and the guy who fired a couple of rounds and it thought he was going to bag a gorilla that day, but uh, <laughs> I guess he either missed it or had no effect, you know? No doubt about it. 53, 54, the, the guy said. Uh, he was a kid, and that's what he saw. So... In the 50s, I mean, Florida really, like he said, was probably uh, very, very uh, unpopulated, you know. Maybe oh, yeah, I mean, a lot of it's pretty darn rural still. Yeah. You know, I mean, they say some of the some of the biggest amount of cattle come out of uh, Florida, which you'd, you'd never guess unless you drove across the place. Yeah, it's hard to believe, you know, me being a Yankee, me being a Yankee... Up here in New York, uh, you know, I don't. When I think of Florida, I don't think of cattle. You know, but uh, no, but they're there. And by the way, it might be New York South, just to let you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I got think a there's more New Yorkers quite... there than Floridians. <laughs> based yeah, on my unscientific <laughs> survey. Put that in writing. Just saying. 
It's a lot of bagel shops, New York bagel shops, New York pizza shops, New York everything. Yeah, but nothing tastes like it does in New York. No, and tough to get a cup of sweet tea, too, down there. It's all that Yankee tea. Yeah, so (laughs) I'm told. (laughs) 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 Remember that ZZ Top song? Yeah. If you got the time. That was good stuff, man. Awesome. I never heard a three-piece band that could produce the sound those guys did, man. No, yeah. One of them passed away recently, too, right? Billy. Uh, Which one? Billy? I forget his last name, but one of the guys. Oh, Billy? Yeah. Yeah, a wow. few months ago, I think. Uh, too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do, you know? Hey, it happens. It happens. It happens, so they tell me. Yeah, so... That was a pretty cool account, man. You know, I like it. I like these uh, funky ones from uh, uh, Florida, the rural places in Florida. And the only thing better than a rural place in Florida is an old timey rural place in Florida. Yeah, well, you know, people have recollections. Who knows how many times this story has actually been told? Yeah, but. There were recollections of things going back, and Kev, you hit a lot of them uh, sometimes in our other oddities segment, uh, where we dig back. Well, I seek them out. Years. There's nothing I love more than these ones that literally come out of the newspaper from you know yeah. 120 years ago. You know, and I put those yeah. newspaper articles up on our website with the episode. I mean, there's nothing like today on the internet where you actually find a copy of the original article. And you can read the right. original article and then report on what somebody was talking about in 1880 or something like that. Pretty cool. Yeah, and I love I love the small town effect. You know, when they write, they'll say, like, Mr. Sheehan of number 20 Smith Street reported to officer so-and-so. Hey, by the way, Bill, you're yeah. not supposed to give out my address. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, did I tell him you lived on Smith Street? I'm sorry. Yeah, you even gave out the number. <laughs> I thought that was Martha's address. Oh, yeah. That's Martha. That's where Martha lives. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you know she's not I mean, taking though, visitors. That's right. <laughs> unless you've been COVID tested. Well, yeah, unless you bring <laughs> like a bag of kibbles with you. Yeah. Ideally, Get away from pound, my tomatoes. 25-pound bag. <laughs> <laughs> it's an offering. Oh man! No, so that was really good, Kevin. You know, I enjoyed that. And that, I'll tell you what that that pig man. What an absolutely grotesque mm. creature, pig face. I know the size of a man. You know, I know, covered in white tell, hair. Yeah, tell me that isn't a demon. Yeah, I know. And it wasn't even Halloween. Oh my God! What did that kid call it? Picket? When he goes out and picket chucks eggs around and stuff? Yeah, I, I mean picket that might night. be a regional thing. I I never heard that before. Yeah, I mean I thought it was kind of the night, night of mischief, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good night to eat some entrails and put a pig head over yours. Yeah, maybe cast a spell or two out <laughs> in the forest. No, thank you. Uh, Drink some pig blood. Uh, no, thank you. Uh, uh, well, my brother, what do we have for this evening with our All right. 
Listener mail. We got some good listener mail, and so far my voice is holding out. So fingers crossed. Very good. I'm trying, buddy. Uh, so the first letter comes from Cam in the UK. I would say it's Cam huh. Newton, but he just resigned with the Carolina Panthers, so it's not, <laughs> not Cam Newton. But Cam in the UK, he says, I've been listening a couple of weeks, guys, but I'm steadily working through the episodes. Great mm-hmm. podcast, on point, funny, goofy, and informative all at the same time. <laughs> I think that's good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm taking it as a compliment. Yeah. He says, love it, fellas. Keep doing what yous are doing. <laughs> if I'm ever stateside from the UK, we'll have to hook up for coffee, which he spells C-A-W-F-E-E, with a happy face. You think he's he trying says, to make fun of us? I think he is. And he yeah. says, that's if you don't hold it against me that I've been a Raiders fan for 38 years. Yeah. Eh. I'm not an anti-Raiders person. I mean, they're in the AFC. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make him a bad guy, you know? I mean, who cares about the AFC, really? (laughs) (laughs) As long as you're not a Pats fan. (laughs) Well, listen, if you're a Brit, if you're a Brit, what do you know one way or the other, brother? Yeah. You know, when they call the trunk of your car a boot, (laughs) you know, maybe there's a little something wrong with you, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you have a few pipes. A few pints too many, mate. Yeah, why do you call a truck a lorry? Come on. It's a yeah, truck. Well, I had a girlfriend named Lori. She wasn't a truck. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, in the meantime, uh-huh. keep packing plenty of whatever gun you think you're going to need. Yeah. That's so, what all I'm right, talking Cam, about, brother. Hang in there. Get through the rest of the episodes. <laughs> buy some books. And keep the letters coming. And tell us about some of these <laughs> funky cryptids out in uh, the UK. There's a lot of them. Yeah, and we hear periodically, you know. By the way, a shout-out, you're not going to believe it's to our friends in Saudi Arabia. Whoa. Uh, hard to believe, Kev, that people in Saudi or Saudi Arabia listen to Bigfoot Terror in the woods. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty interesting. By the way, uh, did you see the Saudi F1 race? I haven't seen the end of it. Uh, but what saddens me, Kev, is that I forget more often than I remember to extend the play on my recordings. Ah. And I was told by somebody at work that there were like red flags galore and everything. And you know, ESPN times it for, let's just say, three hours. They don't put anything in place for an overrun, penalties, red flag sessions. So what happens is at the end of the three hours, at whatever time it is, you're done seeing the race. Yeah, you you might see this one because I watched it a couple hours after it happened and I didn't put in an extension. And I saw the whole thing. Uh-huh. So, you know, you may see it. But great race in Saudi. So I didn't mean to go down the F1 path, but you're talking about Saudi um, and that we have listeners there. And it was the first F1 race, I think, ever in Saudi yeah. this past weekend. And it was fantastic. One race to go and uh, battle royale. All right. So yeah, that, 
Go ahead. Uh, let's leave Saudi. Mm-hmm. After we left the UK, we went to Saudi, and now we're going down under to mm-hmm. Anthony in Sydney, Australia. Yeah, Anthony. And he says, love the show, boys. Question for each of you. Hmm. Who, I, oh, he says, I love the cryptids in the news and other oddities segment. Of course, I love the hairy man, as we call him, Yowie, down under. (laughs) But I love the cryptid stories. And I got to ask, you know, other than the mainstream stuff like the hairy man and uh, Nessie, who is your favorite cryptid? You know, and you you both don't have to have the same favorite cryptid. So you want me to go first, Bill, or you want to go? Yeah, go, go, go ahead. Let it rip. So I'm I'm going to go back to uh, Spring Heeled Jack terrorizing oh. London. I think it was in the 1800s, right? This guy was springing around, boinging around from rooftop to street and back to rooftop. You know, some type of uh, superhero. Not sure if he was for the good or for the bad. But I love that story. You know, it's one of those old-timey ones, Bill. Remember, like, they they thought it was some uh, royal guy who was a little odd that he might be within the costume with some of the technology. I mean, when I reported on that, man, it it reminded me so much of, like, Batman, you know. Bruce Wayne, a rich guy, you know, with uh, that technology going out there. Of course, you know, Batman was always good against evil. We're not sure about spring Jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, uh, my, uh, yeah, spring Jack is definitely an incredible uh, character, uh, believe it or not, as they say. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, aside from Bigfoot, Boy, I'd have to say that uh, the all-out creep fest of uh, the New Jersey Devil. Oh yeah, is kind of uh, the the idea of something hiding in the woods and uh, unknown and swooping down on cars and you know, screeching and howling across the shadows. And I mean, that stuff, man, you know, nothing could terrify you more than to be walking in a woodland path or across a field as the sun's setting and having something like that hot on your heels, uh, airborne, no less, uh, that you can't escape from, you know? Uh, I'm with you. And, you know, I mean, that one, Jersey Devil is great, and it made me think of, like, the first thing that came to my mind was Spring Hill Jack. But, you know, right behind Spring Hill Jack and kind of similar to Jersey Devil is Mothman. Like, yeah. Oh, man, what a creep fest. And and the coolest thing about Mothman, I think, is you had this these episodes, you know, in uh, I think it was called Mount Pleasant, West Virginia. Definitely yep. West Virginia. I may have messed up the town there. But now you have it in modern day, like like a hundred sightings or more around Chicago O'Hare Airport. And you've seen yeah. the photos and the video, Bill. I don't know what the hell is going on up there. Yeah, that is a weird I think I got to do another episode on that one. So, so Anthony, that's like uh, 
a triple threat of some pretty cool cryptids. spring yeah. Jack, Jersey Devil, and Mothman. Yeah, and the only thing that could beat out the Jersey Devil would be an Aussie that's drunk. You're saying it would be a good fist fight outside no, the I'm bar? Saying it, I'm saying it'd be a good cryptid. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Maybe you could hop around like a roo. Oh. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, mate? <laughs> Kangaroo. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go from Oz, the land down under, heading back towards yeah. our home. And we're going to go to yeah. Janet in Ireland. And uh, Janet gave us a link to a paranormal database from Ireland, which is pretty cool. I'm going to find some cryptids and other oddities in there. But she talks mm-hmm. about an entity there. She doesn't give it a name, but it has the appearance of a black pig. But it swims uh. in the water and blows water out of its back like a whale. And How did we get on the pigs? Was that I intentional? Know, that I we... had to, to talk about this pig this week. And they say it was spotted in 1954 by a farmer taking his cattle for milking. And while in 1979, two more farmers spotted the black three-meter-long creature swimming in the water. So nine-foot-long swimming pig that blows water out of its back. I don't know what the hell that is. Yeah, I don't know. Misidentification? Well, yeah, but I mean, like, I'd say, okay, sounds a little bit like a manatee, right, which looks like a cow in water, but manatees don't Mm -hmm. blow water out of an air hole in their back. Yeah, you know. yeah. I don't know, man. We'll, we'll have to look into that a little bit. Yeah, I think. yeah, we'll look into it. But definitely, Janet. You know, thanks for writing in from uh, from uh, Ireland and uh, giving us some uh, tips on some cryptids and other oddities. Yeah, yeah. You know, we get a lot of tips, Kev, from our, oh, I our love listeners. It, you know, because we've done yeah. you know more than a hundred episodes. I mean, uh, this is episode one hundred and twenty-eight. And we've reported on 128 different cryptids and other oddities, which, you know, there's a lot of freaky stuff out there. And we, we yeah. lo- I love to get the tips from our listeners. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it just shows you uh, the breadth and the depth of uh, sightings and encounters, as I call the Bigfoot books, right? Bigfoot sightings and encounters. Yeah. People are, people are seeing things out there, and with uh, eight and a half billion people on this planet, uh, you know, we're just uh, uh, the tip of a pin with what we're talking about here. Who knows what's coming down the pike next? Yep. Jeez. Wow, yep. that's interesting. And then our last well, letter, Bill, comes in from last week's contest winner. Remember, we were asking him... Uh, how he came up with the name Dozer Man. And, uh, uh-huh. you know, I won't read the whole article, whole letter, but it's a good letter. But he says uh, he talks about the fact that he and his wife were on vacation in North Georgia prospecting for gold with some members of a local prospecting club. And uh, mm-hmm. they, they started asking him what he did. And at the time, he was running uh, a bulldozer. And uh, they started calling him Dozer Man. And he said, it's stuck with me all these years. And currently he's uh, 
not driving a dozer anymore, but he's driving semi-trucks. And uh, the name is not going away, though. So that's Warren B. Good stuff, Warren. Thanks for the background on the name. Yeah, by the way, Warren, I sent out your little prize, and uh, with any luck, you'll have it by the 4th of July. Oh, he says thanks again for the prize and for the podcast and your books. So I don't know if he's—I guess he's saying that in anticipation of the 4th of July. Well, it could be. And uh, by the way, I want to see some receipts for the books you bought. You know, Warren, like my brother and everybody else out there, he says he sends these prizes, but I'd say he sends them like— uh, United po- United Postal uh, or U.S. Postal <laughs> Service, but he found something slower than that. It might be like a revival of the Pony Express. Hey, look, Maybe it's if like you don't the Mule it, Express because I I think the Pony Express was actually pretty efficient. But. <laughs> hey, Kev, you know if they don't get the prize, it's not my fault. I mean, I I've never received the autographed copy yet. I mean, Christmas is coming. Maybe he'll redeem himself, folks, but I don't know. <laughs> well, very good, man. That is uh, that is just awesome. And uh, thanks to all the listeners who write in. You know, a lot more people uh, call in, but they're not really things you would read over the air. Uh, I encourage all of you to write to us. Tell us what you think, what you've heard, what you've seen. I am sure there are thousands and thousands of people out there listening uh, who really have something to say, to share with both Kevin and I and the rest of the listening audience. And I encourage you to do so. So just go to BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com and hit the contact link and uh, type up a little uh, hello and uh, Tell us about what you've seen or heard. Yeah, we want everybody to write in, unless, like, your thing is, like, sacrificing pigs, eating their entrails, and then wearing a carved-out head on your head. I don't really want to hear from you. And I definitely don't want to meet you, okay? Yeah. No offense with the word meat. (laughs) Meat. And eat, or eat and meet, or eat and greet. <laughs> uh, pig, pig man. We had to go down the pig man trail. Pig man. Well, anyways, yeah, that is bizarre stuff, Kip. I'm, I'm gonna uh, be thinking about that for a little while. <laughs> I just hope I, I don't hope. I hope I don't turn the backlight on one day, and instead of seeing the raccoons under the sunflower seed feeder, I see pig man down on all fours looking up at me. It has happened before. Just uh, saying. Yeah, just saying. Over at the Devil's Wash Bowl. Uh, <laughs> well, folks, if you should find yourself breaking down and having to change a tire while passing through Whitehall, New York, and let's just say... Your C-cells in your flashlight have weakened and the light fades away. You better remember just one thing. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.